Um, and we've been journeying through a series in Romans. So if you've got your Bible with you, whether um, physically in paper or on your phone, uh, do, do grab it out and head to Romans 5. And we've been journeying over this series um, for a few weeks now, and we get our next uh, installment this morning. And we're going to be reading from verse 12 uh, through to the end of the chapter, verse 21. So Romans 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned, To be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass, for if the many died by the trespass of one man, How much more did God's grace and the gift that came by grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of one one man death reigned through that one man, How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also the one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of one man the many were made sinners, so also Through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let me pray for Phil before he comes and speaks. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you that it is true, that it is powerful. We thank you for this book of Romans and all that we have been learning about it so far. We've been learning about you and your grace. And Heavenly Father, I pray that this morning we come with hearts eager to know more, eager to know you more. Father, I pray you'd help Phil as he speaks. Give him clarity. I pray you'd help us. Give us ears to hear hearts that are open and soft to your words. Father God, please change us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Phil. Well, good morning, everybody. It's really good to see you here. And hello to everyone online too. Um, If you've got your Bible with you, do please open it to that passage. We're going to look at it now. I, I've got a friend called Gary, and I've known Gary fairly well for, for around eight years now. I've always seen him as a pretty cool kind of guy. He's written a few books, pretty good. Uh, he's, he's even got enough techie knowledge 
that he set up a remote-controlled chicken run that, that opens to let the chickens out and closes at sunset. Um, just, just, he can, he can tr- control it uh, anywhere in the world from uh, his phone. Amazing. This is Gary. Over the summer, though, Gary told me something about him that completely changed the way I saw him. Way back in 1977, and this is the thing, way back in 1977, when Gary was eight, his uncle took him to the UK premiere of Star Wars. So let me just explain how cool that is. Okay, He was the first kid in the country ever to see the first ever Star Wars film. I, I can't see your faces. I'm assuming your mouths are open and you're as gobsmacked as I was when I first heard that. Gary walked around the, the UK premiere of Star Wars and shook hands with Obi-Wan Kenobi, a real princess Leia. He stood next to her. He shook the hands of the last ever Jedi, Luke Skywalker. Absol- now, I'll stop going on because I can see some of you are, are already bored. But... That one piece of information completely made me see Gary in a different light. In my mind, with that one story, he went from pretty cool Gary with his chickens to absolute master Jedi. And it's a great picture of how news about someone can completely change the way we see them. And just as that piece of life information Uh, Life's story information changed the way I saw Gary. What Paul is trying to do in our passage this morning is to change the way we see Jesus. See, maybe we've we've just said, Jesus, gentle Jesus, meek and mild. Jesus, historical figure who, who is lost in the midst of time. Jesus did all the miracles. He's the reason why we celebrate Christmas or Easter. Perhaps we just see Jesus as a little genie in the lamp. When we're in trouble, we'll rub the lamp, pop out comes Jesus, we'll say a quick prayer, we'll expect him to do what we want. Once he's done that, pop him back in and we forget about him. Paul wants us to see Jesus as he really, really is. The great Lord and Master over this universe. God the Son, risen in power and love who, by his blood, has justified those who trust in him and given us God's favor. That's what he's really wanting us to do in this passage. And wherever we are in our Christian walk, whatever we think about God, whatever is happening to us this morning, the the reason we read the Bible is to be reminded again and again of the glory and the riches of Jesus Christ. And and the Bible wants us to totally fill ourselves with what these verses tell us about Jesus so that we're astounded and we have a kind of reset button press. Hang on, this is not gentle Jesus, meek and mild. He is not a genie in a lamp. He is Jesus. Totally astounding, awesomely powerful in a totally different kind of way. This is news. I hope this morning that changes every way that we see Jesus. And that brings us to our first point this morning, and it's this. Be sad because of Adam's sin. We need, to know this, we need to know this information first because it helps us understand what the power of Jesus is all about. So Paul starts his explanation in verses 12 to 14 by showing us how massive Adam's mess was. Let me read verse 12 to you. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man... 
and death through sin. And in this world, in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. Now, now just to explain, when God created Adam, Adam was righteous. That means he was sinless. He was right with God. I love that word righteous because it's kind of in the, in the word. The meaning is in the word. Righteous, right with God. He was perfect. He'd never sinned. He had the most wonderful relationship with God. You, you know, he and God even used to take walks and talks together. And as part of their relationship, God as creator gave Adam his word, a command, simple command. Adam, don't eat from the tree of knowledge between good and evil. One rule, one command, one word. And the Bible tells us that rather than obey God's word, Adam chose to rebel against God's word. So he disobeyed and he ate that fruit. He made up his own rules about what he was and wasn't allowed to do and followed them instead of God's word. And verse 12 tells us that because he sinned, all of his descendants would sin and have sinned. Sin has come to all mankind, all humankind, because of of Adam's sin. And because of his sin, death comes into this world as punishment for this sin. So his mess of sin was massive. It spread to everyone. Everyone sins, everyone dies. It's a massive spread of mess. It reminds me of the time when one of our boys was sick in the night. He'd woken up feeling really unwell, and he knew he was going to be sick. So he shouted to Liz and I for help, but just as he shouted, sadly, it was too late. He was sick all over his room. And wonderfully, he's a thoughtful boy because he didn't want to get his bed all covered in sick. So he decided to lean over the side of his bed and be sick on the floor. That would have been okay, except that he was in a bunk bed. And he was on the top bunk. So although he did thoughtfully try to avoid himself and his bed getting sicked on, and and to be fair, he didn't really succeed in that anyway, he also managed to throw up all over his younger brother sleeping peacefully below. And that would have been okay, except that sticking out from underneath the bed, where it should have been safe from anything, sticking out from underneath the bed was our Lego toy box into which he emptied much of himself that night. And although it did manage to contain a lot of the mess, if you've ever seen a Lego toy box full of sick, there are a few words to describe it. Now, just as my son's mess went everywhere that night, so too, in a more horrible and terrifying way, Adam's mess and sin has impacted the world since the day he chose to rebel. The world has never been the same ever since. And Paul wants us to see this picture of how Adam's sin affects us all. Paul starts off in verse 12 by explaining because Adam rebelled against God, we do too. As his descendants, we rebel against God because of Adam's choice. And sin is fighting to be the ruler of our own lives rather than anyone else, rather than God. It's like 
Adam brought his kingdom into this world. And all his descendants belong to his kingdom. He's a ruler, not God. His heart reigns in us, not God's heart. It creates a barrier between God and us. It brings suffering and death in this world. It spreads everywhere. And it's right to be sad and serious and shaken by the effects of Adam's sin. And I hope it shows that we can't simply put it all right by trying to be good or trying harder. Verse 12 basically says we are hopeless and helpless as children of Adam. And we're left wondering how it can be all undone. How it's possible to deal with the effects of sin in us and this world and the death that will happen to us all. Adam's rule of sin is powerful in this world. We can't fight it. We can't fight it. It's in our hearts. It's on our minds. It causes so much pain and suffering. And when we read verse 12 and read how how absolutely all-encompassing sin is i hope it leaves us saying to you're crying out for a savior L- listen I, I don't know about yourself but I, i've been struck more and more and more about how how toxic social media can be and i know i go on it and i've been on about it for the last few weeks but it is really toxic it might be that that what someone has said on social media about you has completely destroyed you. Well, in the same way, what Paul wants us to see is that's just one tiny corner of this world. That's one tiny aspect of the effects of sin in this world. And one little illustration that helps us see how helpless we are in the face of sin. And what he wants us to simply do is cry out, I need a savior. I need someone who's going to save me from this sin in my heart and sin in this world. Someone who's going to renew it. Who is that person? Who is that person? Well, thankfully, verse 15 begins our next point. Jesus undoes all of Adam's mess. Jesus undoes all of Adam's mess. Verse 15 begins with that wonderful word, but. Whenever you read that word in the Bible, you know a big reversal is about to take place. So look at verse 15 with me. But the free gift is not like the trespass. That's what one version says. The free gift is not like the trespass. The word but changes the situation. It's like when your, your kid comes to you and, and with a broken toy and says, Mom, in my case, Dad, Mom, my toy is broken. And what does Mom say that changes everything? I know, darling, but I'm going to fix it. But I'm going to fix it. The toy is broken, but because of Mom... The brokenness can be undone. And in the same way, because of Adam's mess of sin, Paul says the trespass, the rebellion of sin is in our hearts. But, there is a huge word here, but 
God's free gift is here now. Jesus is here now. Sin's power and dark work can and has been undone by him. And Paul tells us how Jesus' power undoes Adam's power of sin. Look at the rest of verse 15. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that comes by that grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? How much more? So through Adam's one act of disobedience, sin infected everybody. So brings death to everyone. Now, Jesus' free gift and God's grace powerfully undoes that. So all who trust in him are saved from the effects of sin. Jesus undoes the power of Adam's obedience by his, uh, disobedience by his obedience. And the promise in the Bible is simply this. When Jesus returns, he will make a new creation. That new creation will have no sin, no death, no decay, All the evidence of sin in this world on that day will be undone by Jesus' power. Until he returns, he gives us hope for that day. And God the Holy Spirit lives in us and he teaches us to fight our sin and to follow Jesus. But also, whereas Adam's sin brought condemnation from God, that word means declaring us guilty, Verse 16 tells us that Jesus' free gift brings justification by faith. That means God declares us not guilty. Look at verse 16. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. There's that word. But the gift, Jesus, followed many trespasses and brought justification. That means for all who believe in his work on the cross, when we fail and when we sin again and again, we're still declared not guilty because Jesus has come and done his work once and for all when he died and rose again. Jesus paid the punishment for our sin and freed us from the condemnation that it brings. Jesus has powerfully undone the condemnation that Adam brought into this world. But lastly, whereas death reigned because Adam sinned, life reigns for those who trust in Jesus. They have the assurance of life, both real, free, and living life now, and proper life in eternity, eternal life. Paul says this in verse 17. Look at it with me. God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life. Through the one man, Jesus Christ. How is this accomplished? Well, Paul says in the last few verses of our passage, it was accomplished by Jesus' obedience to God's word. So, whereas Adam's one disobedience means that we all constantly disobey. Jesus obeyed God's word perfectly. Could you imagine hanging around with someone like that? Who who, who could be totally honest with you, but in the most loving and gentle way. Who could never lie, who could never, uh, never steal. 
Never wish a harmful thought on someone else. That was Jesus. He was the opposite of Adam. Rather than making up his own rules, he followed God's rules to perfection. And by doing so, he brought a new kingdom rule into this world and a new hope for this life to come, uh, for the life to come. In other words, he's a new ruler and a new source of life. So whereas Adam's rule brings sin and death and condemnation, Jesus' rule rule brings perfection and life and justification. He's the new greater ruler, and all who trust in him will enjoy all the benefits of his obedience in life. Can you see how stunning this new ruler Jesus really is? Let me illustrate that by going back for a second to the story I told you about our son being sick all over his room. Imagine at that point, as as he's chundering into the Lego box, and as Liz and I are standing there in horror, wondering what to do, a knock comes on the door. And into our house comes our neighbor, And he sees the mess and he says to us, I'll deal with this. I'll clean it all up for you. And and you know what? I'm not just going to clean up the whole mess for you now at this time. But tomorrow you can come and live in my house. Where there is no sickness. Where there is no mess. Where everything is new. And because I love you guys, I give it to you freely. Imagine that. It didn't happen, by the way. It was a long night. But you know what really has happened in real life is a much greater thing, isn't it? Jesus has come into this world full of the curse of sin and full of death. He's seen the mess of sin and death, and he's genuinely said to us, I'll deal with it. I'll deal with it. He says to humanity, if you trust in me, I will forgive your mess of sin now. I will give you a new heart now that longs to serve me now and love me now. But also tomorrow you will have my house where there is no sickness, where there is no sin, where there is no death, there is no crying, there is no mourning where all things will be made new and the very presence of the living God will be there and you will see him face to face. You will look into his eyes for centuries and centuries and centuries and never be bored. That is his house. Why? Because he loves you and me. There, everything will be made new. Because he's loving. Because he's powerful to do this. He gives all who believe in him all of this freely by his grace. And that's why Paul writes these verses. If you like, he wants to pull, pull back a curtain on a beautiful view, the view of Jesus, so that we can be astounded. 
That we can be astounded. It's possible to be right with God. It's possible for our sin and death to be paid for by someone else. Astounded by Jesus' work and power to undo the rule of Adam over us and to bring his kingdom rule into our lives. And ultimately, actually, do you know, as we meditate and think on these verses, I hope it, it brings an adoration in a new way this morning. Because the Bible wants us to see Jesus and know him and know his power and authority and know the mysteries of his intimate, perfect love. And the Bible wants us to worship him. Because, because we have a new vision of Jesus, a view that we've not seen before. Let's worship him. Worship him in song, where we can. In prayer, all the time. In the gift of fellowship, by sharing that love of Jesus with one another. And worshiping him in life, Worshipping him in our sufferings, even in our deaths. Because he's astounding. He's given us everything. He's astounding in love. Astounding in power. Astounding in obedience. So that his kingdom may rule in our hearts. And the kingdom of Adam might be undone there. And one day undone forever. This is our Jesus. This is our Lord. If you don't know him, please, Christianity Explore course is all about looking at him. It really is. And giving us a chance to make up our minds for ourselves. Please do that. Let me invite you to see Jesus. As the Bible puts it, and to listen to his words, as they were recorded by eyewitnesses so that we might see him fully. Let me pray now. Oh, how deep, how vast, how long is the love of Jesus. How astounding is his power. How incomprehensible is his obedience. How miraculous his power over death. How incredible his love. How overwhelming his forgiveness. Lord Jesus Christ, this is you. And we praise you this morning. We praise you for this new vision of Jesus. We praise you that he is the one who rules the kingdom of God. And that kingdom of God is ours when we trust in you. Lord Jesus Christ, may you reign in our hearts. As we meditate on these words, as we allow them to sink in, as we allow the the news of your power over Adam's kingdom, news of your perfect obedience, Lord, may these news resonate in our hearts that we might live in adoration and worship to renew our lives according to your word and according to your perfect son, Jesus Christ.
Oh, Father God, we thank you for your word that humbles us. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that enlightens us, who enlightens us. Father God, may we not leave this room unchanged. We pray this in your name. Amen. We're going to um, listen to a, a song now um, called Only a Holy God. It, it, it just is a beautiful song. As we, as we stand and, 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 and listen to it, let's just allow the words to, to fill our minds, um, allow the tune, because uh, it's a beautiful tune as well, to, to just resonate with those words and meditate on Jesus, the great holy God who has come into this world to undo the rule of Adam's sin over us. Let's stand together. Let's listen again if you're at home. Stand and sing. Sing with all your heart and mind and soul because this is Jesus we're singing about.